Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope you're all doing well in the world right now. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope everybody is transplendent with pleasure this evening. That's a thesaurus job if I've heard one before. (laughs) When did you learn of that word? I, my vocabulary is wide and far-reaching, Stu Hall. I just dumb it down when I speak to uh, your fine self. Oh, well, that's, that's all fair enough. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Fellas, it, you know, it's been an absolute... I can't even tell you how long it's been since we've done a top five. It feels like it's been forever and a day. The last one, I think, was with ourselves and Tom Kearney. Is that correct? I think that was the Kung Fu one, yeah, the, um, yeah. the martial arts one. It's a good episode, that. I remember, like, I've made a list of all the films. I can't even find half the films that Tom mentioned. They're so, like, obscure in this country. And the ones that I can find, you just can't get them with bloody the, the subtitles. But, yeah. So, yeah, we're back with a top five episode. And this one is going to be sequels better than their originals. Uh, there's only a few rules for this one. Big sprawling franchises don't count. It's got to be a self-contained story. No spiritual sequels, it, they have to be the same characters, so basically Hot Fuzz wouldn't count for this one. Uh, same goes for hard reboots, they also, they're also they also a no, but soft reboots, which are basically a sequel, but as long as it's a continuation of the main story, I think we're okay with those. But to be honest, as long as you can justify your pick, I'm quite happy with whichever you, you go with. I've got a couple that I think I may have to justify. That you may not allow, but that that's very much de rigueur with the way we do things around these parts. So we'll go around the table. Um, I'll go first, then Matt, and then Stu. Five to one, and we'll after our second, we'll do uh, a few honourable mentions, like we do usually. So my fifth place pick is Fast and Furious Seven. I wish I'd had time to re-watch the Fast franchise before doing this. Because I'm not 100% sure if Fast 7 is the best one. But it's some, it's one of the ones where I think the best cast has all come together on this. So The Rock is now on the side of the good guys. And Jason Statham has been brought in as the main villain. Um, obviously the first film with The Rock was when he was the copper who was trying to stop them from doing it which was fast five which was brilliant but this is the first one after hans died so it's in continuity after tokyo drift so i think this is the first one where it feels big and proper and really over the top like we sort of love about fast and furious um that's the reason it's fifth though is because i think there may be a better one in that series it's either going to be five or seven, but that's my first pick is Fast 7. Matt, what's your uh, fifth place? So my fifth place is um, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Now, it, it, this is kind of skating on thin ice for my first pick, really, because it is a it is a sequel of sorts. It's kind of in the same world as um, Cloverfield, a spiritual successor, you might say. Um where Cloverfield was this kind of found footage, bit of a mess, um, monster kind of movie. Ten Cloverfield Lane is is much more of a psychological um, thriller, real slow burner with an amazing, amazing performance from John Goodman in a role that you just don't expect from him. He's he's not this um, 
big, cuddly, funny, um, larger than life character. He's this mean and brooding and very, very sinister character. But then you 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 make you think through the whole movie. Um, how is this even partly part of the Cloverfield world until bang the very last minute, and then the whole film flips on its head. Um, it's very very tense the whole way through. Is um, it's almost uncomfortable, um, and I just think it, it it touches on themes and it does it in a way that I much much preferred over over Cloverfield. Yeah, that that's probably like sixth place on mine. That was in the top five right of up until about 20 minutes ago. Well, that's a properly good pick, that one is. And as you say, like John Goodman, he his portrayal of the character in that film, there's some real menace to it. Mm. And it's just, it's, yeah, really good pick, that is. And as well, I think that's probably one of the films with the biggest increase. Because like the first yeah. one's fine. I'd I'd probably say it's maybe a five and a half, like it's yeah, yeah, just yeah. on just on the right side of okay. But I think that Ten Cloverfield Lane is a solid eight. I think it's a really good movie. It did really great numbers as well. Um, it was almost kind of ten times its budget it made. So for a film that you know was definitely riding the coattails of the success of of Cloverfield, but um, you know. It did really good numbers for a, for a, a sequel to you know something that isn't a triple A big budget blockbuster. Stu, who's coming in at number five on your list? I think this is the first first controversial point of the night morning. Whenever you listen to this, it is Ghostbusters two. Um, I watched both of these back to back for the probably the first time I've ever done that the other day in preparation for Afterlife coming out. And I know that it's sacrilege and I'm going to get hated for by certain people who listen to this, but it's just a better film. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's definitely funnier because it just is. The, the first one has aged terribly. and I'm not going to go down the, uh, the terrible demon dog animation and the, some of the effects because it's pretty much it's very early 80s, 80. It would have been made in eighty three, coming in eighty four. So you you got to expect that kind of thing. But I think it knew what it was. There's a, a different tone to the second one compared to the first, and it's reading up on it. It's very much influenced by the real Ghostbusters series. Yeah, and the characters feel like the series characters rather than the first film. And I love the series. And looking back, this is going on twenty twenty one vision, not from back in the past now as of this year watching them films the second one is better than the first it's more it's more entertaining it's more funny and you got vigo so everyone's a winner it, it's a film that is on my honorable mentions list because i i don't know if it's a better film but i know i've got warmer memories of ghostbusters 2 i remember going to the Odeon in dudley as was way back when. So I remember seeing it on the big screen and I know I saw the first one, but I don't really remember it that much. So I just thought maybe it's my personal feelings towards the movie as opposed to the movie itself is why I love Ghostbusters too. Because it, it is a film that's hated pretty much, isn't it? And I don't quite get why yeah. it's hated because it, like you say, it is a good film still. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's IMDb score and everything's way down on the first one. It's like 
I mean, I'm not even talking about that nonsense from a couple of, a few years ago. I've not seen it. I'm never going to watch it. It's pointless. Waste of time. But, and the fact that it's just been thrown away, it's not even canon at all in any way, shape or form. Um, but it gets lumped in with that as well. And you think, well, why? Because I know they didn't make any more after it, but that's probably down to a lot of things, mainly Bill Murray. Um, but, and he did come back for the game later on and then whatever, but, yeah, I, I don't get the hate for it. Maybe because it is a bit, it's a bit too much of a departure from the first. Maybe that's got something to do with it. But as an entertaining film, I was more entertained watching the second one than the original. I think that's that's totally fair. Matt, you're a Ghostbusters fan, aren't you? Where do you stand on one versus two? Um, I'm not sure where you're getting your info from, Andy. I'm, I'm not a big Ghostbusters person, oh, I really. You were. I'm, no, I um, I was late to the well. I'm was born late to the party, I guess, for Ghostbusters. So <laughs> it kind of never really it's it, it's come to my um, it came to my spectrum like quite late on in my life. Same thing with like Goonies and the mm. Warriors and the uh, Lost Boys and stuff. It's just it's it, it's in a part of history that I've just seen way too late to appreciate. I think so. It's fine. Ghostbusters is okay. It's but like it's in the same kind of you're gonna you're gonna hate this. I'm so sorry, Stu. It's just in the same kind of category as like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and that kind no, well, that's of abs- that kind that's of world. A- like that's abs- that's absolutely fair because if you want if you aren't there at the time, then you wouldn't you wouldn't mm. appreciate it as much. Yeah. Because, I mean, I haven't seen either of them films for a long, long time. I'm guessing they don't stand up really well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this. This stuff in Ghostbusters, it's like a bit. Well, he's, it's a bit rapey, <laughs> and even even back then, I mean, he gets a ghost blowjob in the first one for fuck's sake, <laughs> and it's a kids' film. So, um, I, that's a completely valid statement to make. It make it makes total sense. Well, you all your youths, just you just been lost forever. It's not your it. fault. Missed the boat, didn't they? <laughs> and and to be fair, anything with Rick Moranis in anyway is good. So that's fine. So on to number four, and my pick is The Bourne Ultimatum. It's very rare for a sequel to be better than an original anyway, but I think that Supremacy is better than Identity, and I think Ultimatum is better than Supremacy. I think this is a, the trilogy went just from strength to strength, and then sadly it shut the bed when Jeremy Renner came in. And by the time they bought out the fifth instalment, Jason Bourne, it just wasn't was what it originally was which is a bit of a shame really because that original trilogy was excellent i think it's such an interesting film and it you could watch each of those films stand alone and take something away from it or you can watch it as a trilogy and i think that's a very rare thing especially for this day and age to be honest because it is generally especially with films that are made just to be trilogies now this one wasn't it, it just so happened that it worked into a trilogy but they can be taken of their own merits. I think it's a really, really good series. I'm a big fan of um, Matt Damon anyway. He does get a bit of a pass on some of the shit that he has done in the years. A bit like Ben Affleck, really. I think it's the whole goodwill hunting thing. I, I excuse them for some nonsense because they've done good in the past. So, Born Ultimatum's mine. What I mean, do you I, think about the trilogy? I was thinking of it more of a, of a trilogy, and that's why I don't count it. You are right that they get better as they go along, but they weren't. It wasn't. 
planned as a trilogy, so to speak. But I was just looking for it there. I don't know why, where it's gone because I, I bought the, I bought the um, the box set of them on Blu-ray in a CX in Bath of all places <laughs> <laughs> for a fiver. And, it's a bargain. I know in Bath and all, and yeah, great films. Can't argue with the, the logic behind it. Um, I just t- took them too much of as a main overarching story than individual films. But yeah, you, you probably are right. Mm. Matt, what do you think? Are you a Bourne fan or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a strange analogy now, but Bond now I really enjoy. So the Daniel Craig Bonds and um, a few of Pierce Brosnan Bonds, are, you know, are quite enjoyable. Pierce Brosnan ones because they're a bit more camp. And a bit more silly, really. Um, but Bond was always classic rock, and the Bourne Automaton was always new metal. Bourne <laughs> Automaton was always a bit more hip, a bit more cool, a bit more raw, and a bit more in touch with me as a as a as a youth. So um, I really enjoyed the Bourne the Bourne um, franchise. I think it's um, was definitely a breath of fresh air that was needed in that sillier world of Bond at the time which mm. was a bit, it was very tongue-in-cheek and, like, it was closer to Austin Powers than it realised the um, the Pierce Brosnan bonds. Yeah, I think that that's a fair critique. Would you say that Bourne saved Bond, in a way? I mean, before I, I, Craig, I, it, let's just say, were people yeah. really that interested? I think that in the same way that Family Guy forced The Simpsons to change its tact the Bourne films force Bond to change its way it looks at itself. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think there's the, the two the two affected each other for sure. Cool. Matt, fourth place for you, please. Fourth place uh, for me is Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Now, Excellent Adventure is fantastic. It's brilliant. I really, really enjoy it. And um, time travel and all of the, the the fun stuff they do there with Socrates and everybody else is really, really um, entertaining. However, Bogus Journey, by going through hell and going through death and the afterlife and all that kind of stuff, it just took it to a world that you just didn't expect. And I think it's a more fun film because of it. The time traveling stuff's cool, but it's very much, um, I don't know, it was just a means to an end to the end of the Battle of the Bands and, and then that was it. But the, the, the sequences with death really take that film to the next level for me. Um, the performances um, from from everybody really in, in the movie, but like you know William Sadler's um, William Sadler's portrayal is just incredible, and that's why um, Face the Music obviously is so heavy on death because he's arguably the best character outside of Bill and Ted in in the whole franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's a really fun, um, fun movie and one that it took it to, you know, they could have quite easily just done time travel again and just gone. And what would have been terrible is if some bizarrely they'd have ended up in with the dinosaurs as it so easily could have been, do you know what I mean? Like like they get lost in a time and then that's it. But no, they, they went, actually they killed them off and then they had to, you know, come back to come back to life. And I just think it was really good, really fun movie. And also, I know that you don't care, but Kiss doing the uh, the headliner track in there is excellent. That's like one I'm of my more... overall memories of <laughs> that film. 
I'm uh, while you were while you were loving uh, Kiss, I was loving uh, Megadeth's uh, song for um, for it. But yeah, I mean the, the use of music through the through all the movies, to be fair, is pretty fantastic. Mm, that's an excellent soundtrack as well for um, Bogus Journey. The whole yeah. album is an absolute banger. Stu, you've got to be a fan of Bill and Ted, surely? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it again, they're very much either or for me. I couldn't decide between them. They both got the the good points and bad points. Not so many bad points in the first two. Um, but yeah, the uh, I'm amazed that they just haven't just played the soundtrack in the Gifford at any point. <laughs> <laughs> just just left yeah, it on. Just left to it see on. what happens. That should do really, shouldn't they? It would uh, be quite fitting. Uh, so number four for you, please, Joe. And this is a, and it's a good job I'm only like five minute walk away from his house because I'm going to say aliens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just prefer aliens to alien, and that is, it's probably because it's at heart an eighties action film mm-hmm. with aliens and marines and explosions and nonsense more than a psychological horror slash uh, terrifying but it's what even not going down this again of what the first film is or isn't they're completely separate films they're completely different styles styles of films and this is basically just personal preference that I like action films more than horrors that's all it is but I've watched Aliens way more times than I've watched Alien. Probably because, for that reason, I guess, I mean, you, you can't really watch horror films over and over and over again because you just you lose the kind of impact, I guess. Mm. Whereas silly films with guns and explosions, whack them on as much as you want. Who cares? Did you, um, have you seen the uh, movies that made us on Netflix, Jude? The, um, the Aliens episode is really good. Is that the new? Is that one of the new ones? Yeah, it's a new series. They've done like a Halloween series where they've got a load of different um, like horror slash, well, anything Halloweeny. So Aliens is one of the episodes I just finished watching the other day. Really good episode, though. To be fair, no, I'll watch that in a bit. I mean, I, 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 I know I knew that it had come back, but I wasn't sure what was in there. I hadn't checked it out yet. It's funny because Aliens doesn't get the credit it deserves for actually having a pretty, um, pretty solid plot in the whole two mothers fighting each other kind of uh, storyline, two badass women fighting each other in the Alien Queen and and um, Ripley. Um, and I think sometimes it does get lumped as purely an action film when there is some, there is some, not a lot, but there is some deeper meaning to the themes in that, in that film. Well, when you, when you go back and watch it with the eye of Prometheus, mm. there's a lot of stuff there. You know, it might've been retrofitted and stuff and whatever, but, there's a lot there going on in the background, but literally the background in times that you don't see firsthand. So you are right there. Yep. I was quite surprised to learn that it was James Cameron who did Aliens. I assumed that Ridley Scott did all three of the original trilogy. I never realised that it was Cameron. So, I mean, for such a big franchise that's so... It's linked like intrinsically with Ridley Scott for that to also have another absolute fucking superstar director mm-hmm. taking one of the chapters. I imagine that's almost unheard of. I can't think of many other 
series of films where they've had that, where they've jumped around big names quite like that. Well, I'm only, I'm only re- literally reciting the TV show now, so that I'm not an expert. But I think he was oh, he'd all he'd had to his name by that point was um, Terminator Two. Um, oh, okay. So it was still pretty early in his like directorial um, no, career, I t- believe. Terminator Two was you might have had the first was... Terminator. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sorry. No. no sorry. The... He had the first Terminator. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. That's that's quite a film to make your name on, I suppose. So he's in it, Terminator, and then Aliens. No wonder he's gone on to make some of the um, the biggest movies of a lifetime, I suppose. My third place film is another third in a series, and it's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I think this is hands down the best of the three, because Ooh. there's only been three so far, and we all know that. <laughs> Last Crusade is fantastic. And I think like the first film's great. The second one's okay. I don't think it's stellar, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I think the third one was brilliant. And part of me might think that part of that is down to having got to see that one in the cinema. I'd have been too young for the original two. I love the interplay between Indy and his father, Henry Jones Sr., Sean Connery. Their back and forth, I think, is exceptional. And that almost makes the film. But then the action set pieces, so the bit where he's on, you know, fighting around all the tanks and he's going to get crushed against the wall. It's proper edge-of-your-seat stuff. I think it's such a good film. And it. I wish they'd have just left it there. Even now that they're doing the fifth one, like, I, I don't want to see any more. Harrison Ford is far too old at this point to be doing it believably now. So, yeah, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade is is my favourite of the the three because I'm going to ignore the rest. What what film do we have to blame for all of these reboots of frankly geriatric men? Would it be the Expendables? Did that kickstart the trend of all of these kind of? No, that was that was kind of the Expendables was kind of in on the joke after it had started up again, weren't it? So hmm. probably Die Hard, you know. Reckon. Okay. Oh, it could have been Die Hard Four was. Um... Oh, yeah, that was a point. When, wasn't I wonder. It? Yeah, I wonder when we had. Um, I think Rocky Balboa was pretty early on of like the, uh, you know, of the older statesman coming back to do reboots. When was yeah. Red? When was Red with um, Malkovich? <laughs> Red was 2010, which is the same year as The Expendables. Die Hard 4 was 2007. So it, it possibly is that, uh, yeah, because it does feel like Bruce Willis was dying a death a little bit and then got something of a bump and then carried on doing just the the shit that pays, but obviously doesn't tax him in the slightest. So, yeah, I think Die Hard 4 is a, a good call, really. But then off the back of that, you do get The Expendables, which is where you Stallones and Schwarzeneggers and they've got their second wind. Some maybe deservedly so, others possibly not, I think. Uh, Indiana Jones, Matt, you pulled a face when I said Last Crusade. Not a fan? Uh, I, I am, I am. Um, <laughs> it's just whenever I think about it, I always think it's it's not one of Sean Connery's finest performances in it. I just think find him a bit hokey-cokey in, in this. Um but it's 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 perfectly fine as a as a film. The Indiana Jones trilogy, 
are fantastic and I, the first one for me will always be the one that I enjoy the most I would say there's nothing I mean what's there not to like about um mythical Germans trying to ruin the world <laughs> do you know what I mean like what's there not to enjoy about that so it's absolutely fine it's just um it's not the one for me out of the three okay fair enough uh number three for you then please Matt so um after talking almost like I know what I'm talking about for the first two um I'm going to dumb it right down in say um the Adams family values <laughs> as um now where the Adams family or the ver- the first of the of these um set of films was funny in its slapstick I guess um this is an oddly I wouldn't say clever but it's a bit more tongue in cheek it's a bit more subtle in parts um, and it relies a bit more on the dialogue than it does on on being kind of a really slapstick and um, very physical movie. I mean, the whole thing with Uncle Fester, Christopher Lloyd, and, and Joan Cusack's character, Joan Cusack, who's gorgeous in this, I might add. Um, it's just it's a really entertaining kind of play on the whole um, kind of Black Widow um, storyline trope that we get where. Um, and then you have the kids that go off to summer camp and obviously they're complete outcasts and they had to start this rebellion within the um, within the uh, the summer camp. That's a really good arc. But then with um, with Morticia and Gomez and the baby and who's got a moustache, it's just it's just a really fun it's just a really fun movie that that plays on all of the um, plays on all of the like silly little nods to to horror like the fact that Morticia always has this really soft lighting on her face no matter where she is no matter what scene she's in she's always got mm-hmm. this like light that sort of just just covers her eyes um it's just a very very fun film that I think is a bit more subtle and its subtlety helps it because when it's a bit more slapstick I don't think you quite realize how funny it is you're kind of just laughing at, at people's pain where this makes gentle digs at arson murder and torture but you laugh about it because it's it's almost um uh, what's the word? Um, not Schadenfreude, but it's you're laughing at other people's misery and you're enjoying it because it's a bit more subtle. Mm. I, I I was kicking myself when I saw your list had Adam's Family Values on because you are right; it is an absolutely great film. It's so enjoyable, and it's just sad that it's sort of not forgotten, but maybe it, it has been slightly forgotten. Like this generation don't really know who. The Adams family are outside of an animated film now. Hmm. I know. I think. Um, and if you were to watch it now, I don't know if I don't know how you'd feel with fresh eyes on this because obviously it's it's it's. I find it very funny, but I don't think I don't know if you get the humour now nowadays. Mm. I think with me lumping some of the films I said to Stu about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, lumping that in with Ghostbusters, I think people would lump in other films to this. Yeah. Totally don't deserve it, but just, you know, just fitting a time period together. Mm. Yeah, I get that. That's that's fair. Stu, number three for you, please. It's a podcast favourite at this point in time. I think it's, you know, I had a mention this month, so let's, let's bring it out in Mad Max Fury Road. It's again, perfect film in every way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's it's a soft reboot, but it's a sequel, like we only said at the start, so it counts. Mm-hmm. But and yeah, it's not really about Mad Max either. <laughs> it's more about Furiosa. But 
it just does everything that the first three, first two, and then Tina Turner um, <laughs> do in theory much much better. And yeah, that's an advancement of time, technology, and effects, and the whole thing. But I think it's just stunning. If whether you watch it on IMAX, like I think like we did the first time, if you watch it normally, if you watch the noir version. However you watch this film, it's just superb. And it's one of them rare ones that get better every time you watch it. You can't say that about the other ones. Especially the, the first Mad Max film is quite shit. No. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. It doesn't work at all. Um, so then you're left with the other two, which, again, they're all right. They're very much a product of their time. Whereas this seems to just... Like I said, get better every time you watch it. So from taking a, a derelict old franchise that a few nerds liked to being one of the most successful films of recent times, could not not be on the list. Yeah, I, I think you could make an argument that it doesn't quite fit purely because it's it's not as furious as movies, isn't it? But I think the fact that it's got Mad Max in the title, yeah, I think that that is fair. And you are right, I mean... I think I only watched the original trilogy maybe about six or seven years ago. I'd never seen them until fairly recently, to be honest. And um, I remember I watched the first one and I wasn't going to bother watching the rest of them because it didn't didn't really do anything for me. But as you say, I do think the second one, I think, is a really good movie. The third one's big and pompous and very much of its time. But yeah, um, Fury Road is just fucking glorious. The visuals alone make it worth make it worthwhile watching. I think. So my number two, and I think this might be controversial because I've said no comic book franchises, is The Dark Knight. It, it has to be, and my argument is that it's not part of a franchise. It is part of a trilogy of films that are very much standalone. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't bleed out into the wider DC universe. So I think that is fine. Obviously, I've spoke at great length on our comic books episode about The Dark Knight. But this one, I mean, this took a film that was a... I mean, Batman Begins, I think, was like a five-star film. But this was a seven stars in the Osaka Hall. <laughs> this one is like Omega Akada 3. This film is... This is the great, one of the greatest films that's ever been made. Not just of sequels, just one of the greatest films ever made. For people, There's a reason. Um, for people that have had sex, those are wrestling, um, those are wrestling <laughs> terminologies, by the way. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. They'll be like, you, me, and Ash Dolan will get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, carry on. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's just, the story is beautiful. The acting is incredible. The direction is, it's actually quite subtle, the direction. I don't feel like, the film has been whipped within an inch of its life, like some of Nolan's other movies, which I think you can say for Tenet and Inception, they're very, very Christopher Nolan heavy movies. Whereas The Dark Knight, you feel like he's just let the people who know the characters do their character work, and that's enough. There's a few Nolan-esque flourishes, like the um, the part on the boat where they're having to decide which one they're going to blow up and all that stuff. So there are some Nolan elements to it. But I think this is one of, I don't think this is a heavy Nolan presence in this movie. And I, I love Christopher Nolan, but I think he's 
decision to not get too involved in it works wonders in this movie. And plus, obviously, Heath Ledger is the second greatest Joker. He's absolutely incredible in this movie. The first, obviously, being Mark Hamill, who was who is the Joker. Whenever I read the books, it is Mark Hamill's voice I hear coming off the page. But yeah, love it. Dark Knight, tremendous movie. Fellas, are you going to argue with me on that one, or am I late? I'm not going to argue with you on it, but that does surprise me um, that that you say Heath Ledger is the second best Joker. That really does surprise me because I would have assumed Nicholson would have been your second. Mm. I'm not a big fan of the Tim Burton Batman. I know you're not, but I just, I just, I don't know. I just, that's just what it, what it struck me, Stu. It's, Speak sense, not sense, but make me make me believe what I thought I believed was the truth. Um, I know what you say is Mark Hamill because of the animated series and the games, and you might as well put Troy Barker in there as well because he does a very good send off of uh, Mark Hamill. Mm. But yeah, I mean, just, the only reason it's not on my list is because I play by the rules. That's the, that's, <laughs> that's the only reason because it is that's one of fair. the greatest films ever made. No yeah. argument about it whatsoever. It's better than the first, better than the third, better than pretty much any Batman film ever. So, mm. no complaints. I think, in regards to Jack Nicholson's Joker, I've never been able to get past the whole dancing with the devil in the pale the moonlight horseshit. <laughs> Like, hey, I just, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I'm in agreement with you. By the way, I'm I'm not saying that what you're saying is wrong. It just surprises me that you've you've gone down that route. That's all. Yeah, um, I remember having a stand-up argument with someone who was trying to tell me that the Joker always would say the pale moonlight line. But I was like, no, I've got a fucking tattoo on my arm. I know what I'm talking about with the Joker. Don't contradict me. And they weren't having any of it. I just got up and walked out at that point. I was having none of that shit. Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so, Matthew, it's your number two, please. Uh, so, my number two um, would be uh, the fourth film in the franchise. It's, it's not the fourth film, is it? Um, it is no, it's not. That's not right. It's the fifth film of the franchise. I can't. Yeah. Ca- I can't count. Uh, it's The Empire Strikes Back, um, basically. So, The Empire Strikes Back, quite simply, is um, a New Hope being um, a great film that it is. It was obviously an introduction piece to that world and that universe in film form. And it's a pretty basic good versus evil story and and a space opera and pretty run-of-the-mill and paint-by-numbers. And that's fine. There's not absolutely nothing wrong with that. But Empire Strikes Back, it has a bit of complexity. It has some character development. Um I never felt when watching the first Star Wars that I absolutely had to see more. But at the end of Empire Strikes Back, you absolutely have to see more. Um, and that's because of the culmination of, of, of up to this point, nearly four hours worth of character development. Um, and it's got the biggest Mandela effect of all films, I think, as well in, in the, no, I am your father or Luke, I am your father. People mm. get mixed up between actually what he said. Um, I, I just think it's an infinitely better better film that benefits from the fact that you now are invested in these characters and actually evil triumphs for the most part. 
which you don't really get that often in when you think about it in movies at, to this point. So I just think it's a much better film. Darth Vader is obviously the best thing about that tri- those tri- the trilogy. Um, and he's obviously the star of the show in this as well. And I just, uh, if, if, you, if you have to force me at gunpoint to watch one of the original trilogy, it's going to be this one every single day of the week. It's the best Star Wars film, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, hands down, out of all of the ones, not, not even just the original trilogy, but all of the Star Wars. I don't think anything really does come close to Empire, if I'm being brutally honest. Rogue um, One. It, Rogue, like, Rogue One's great, but it's not Empire, is it? And I think you, you do make a really good point because the reason I didn't put it on is because when I think about how much I love um, A New Hope, that's probably more of an emotional, I love the film rather mm. than it's a good, great, complex film with really good character development. Because actually, you're right, it's quite basic when you think about it. It is just your bog-standard Saturday afternoon um Western that you'd find on BBC too, but just yeah, set in yeah. space. You know, in, in Empire, you know, Luke Skywalker actually becomes more than just this fuckboy. Do you know what I mean? He's just <laughs> he's not this pussy anymore. But now in, in, in Empire he's he's becoming a more complex character. You've got the Han and Leia stuff as well. And it's just it's just infinitely a better film. Um and that's not to disparage um a new hope. And I think Jedi is um, it's uh, it's very much the Back to the Future three of that. Fr- it's the weakest mm-hmm. by a long stretch for me of that trilogy. Um, so yeah, Empire is fantastic, and I'll, I'll um, I'm happy to put my um, to put my name on that. I think the problem with Jedi is it's far too long. When on repeat watching, you realise it really drags in parts, which is is quite surprising. Um, but I, I completely agree. Return of the Jedi is not like it, it's fine, it's fun, but it's not excellent because it goes on too long. I think. Where do you stand on Ewoks though? Because I mean, people of like the generation before me, they hate the Ewoks. They feel about the Ewoks like I feel about fucking Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, but the Ewoks <laughs> make Jar Jar look like Shaft. What's that? Uh, <laughs> that's space, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. I so. I, I understand it because at the end of the day, by the time you get to by the time you get to Jedi, we're in full marketing mode, aren't we? And we mm. need something to sell, and we need something to um, make this bring it back to family friendly. Maybe I don't know I, the Ewok stuff. Yeah, it's a little hokey cokey for me, but we we're in this. We are in a universe in these movies where they are showing you the weird and wonderful. We get that in the cantina in the first one, so I'm not massively against them. They're quite funny, like. They're, mm. they're quite silly, and at least they don't talk like Jar Jar talks. Yeah, that is true. Stu, you've got to have an opinion on the Ewoks, surely. They are. They just print money, don't they? That's that's all they are. It's like the Porgs in the new ones. Yeah, yeah, fair point. We know exactly I've got what a the... Porg pop somewhere, so yeah, you are right. Oh, what? Oh, what? Sorry. Porg pop. Porg yeah. means something very different in my world. <laughs> if you know, you know. I'm not going to P O R G. Oh, okay. My mistake. Not, not P A W G. No. 
messaging oh, the oh, message. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know what you're talking about. We'll save that one for the uh, group chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the little the little birds who make that high pitched squeal. Yes, yes. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah, ap- nice. Apparently, though, they they were um, <laughs> they were actually puffins on that island, and oh, okay. they CG they CG'd around them because they they were native to that that island in is it, is it in Ireland itself? Somewhere? I think it is. Yeah, there was some some form of bird like a puffin, and so they just changed them a little bit to make to sell. I don't, I'm not saying that there were little midgets in <laughs> on Endor, and that they just made them fluffy to sell them. But yeah, he walks a fine, Pogs a fine, Jar Jar, ruler of the world. No real problem. Matt, he he should have been in more films. That's his problem. Mm, yeah, because he Matt does. They ruined Pog for me. Because every time <laughs> I've seen them now, I'm only going to think of one thing. <laughs> I can't wait till we get some. This this will be. Uh, defining for our fan base because the ones that know and the ones that don't know will form two very different categories within our listenership. Mm. Yeah. Already making a list of which, uh, which of our followers are going <clears> to <throat> be quite asking what we mean. Yeah. <clears throat> Excellent. <laughs> uh, Stu, you're up to bat next, please. Your second place. I think up to bat next after talking about Paul, he's. Uh... Something altogether different. Uh, Godfather Part 2. Simple as. I watched them, as I mentioned before, I watched them this year, the first time in a long time. And the second one is just a complete masterpiece compared to the first. It's one of the best films ever made. How you take a two, which, if not unique, very rare kind of concepts of having two stories going on at the same time in two different time periods where you got the flashbacks to um, Don Vita before he was a Don and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's just a brilliant, brilliant film. Yeah, it's ridiculously long, but it doesn't feel like it, does it? It doesn't feel like it, it goes on and on and on. It's perfectly paced. Both stories are genius. And to outdo what they did with the first... It's just sensational, so it had to be on the list. I mean, that that's often the answer, like that that's the trivial pursuit's answer to what is the greatest sequel ever made, isn't it? I think that's the one that everyone seems to immediately jump to is Godfather Two. It is a masterpiece, it is exceptional filmmaking. I was quite surprised to see on IMDB that Godfather One is nine point two and Godfather Two is nine point zero. Well, no, it's obviously a very small number, fraction between the two. But I would have thought you'd have it the other way around. Mm. And you say, look, it is a long film, but I don't think it feels a long film. I've seen shorter films that have felt longer than this movie because the pacing is so well done to it. I don't feel part two is anywhere near as engaging as the the first one. This Mm. storyline with De Niro, if that was the whole movie and they did a slower burn with that, Hands down, it'd be it'd be up there as good, if not better. But the whole Cuba thing with Michael and everything, it's just, it's just, I, I just don't find it. I don't find it that interesting. I really don't. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's a bad movie at all. But I can understand why The Godfather, the original, the first, is is um is rated higher. And I'm I'm coinciding this with the fact that 
the book is an incredible read and the movie does the book real justice in parts as well um but hey it's 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 apples and oranges Mm. i I don't know if either of you two do you know is this uh, part two based on any of mario puzo's other works I know he's done a several within the family, hasn't he? But I don't know if... Well, it was the Sicilian and stuff like that. I'm not sure if that was anything to do with it. I've not read it. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. Okay. Let us know if you do know, because I'm I'm quite intrigued. I wouldn't mind reading the whole series, but I think there's like about six of them, aren't there? There's quite a few different ones to the whole whole, uh, Mafia family. Very interesting. But yeah, good choice there, Shape. It's an excellent movie. So we'll do a few honourable mentions now. I've broken mine down into like three categories, pretty much. The first one is sequels that aren't better, but I've got warmer feelings towards. So like Ghostbusters 2 would probably have been in that one. Gremlins 2. Like, I I love Gremlins Mm -hmm. 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen two so many more times than I've seen one. I've I've seen one maybe two or three times. It's good. I enjoy it. it. It is a good movie, but... I will always get a two before I get a one for some reason. Same with Home Alone 2. I love that film. I think it, it, even though it's not as good as the first one, there's just something a bit more warm and inviting about it. And also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, because that was the first <laughs> film. No like it, way. It's, it's shit compared to the other two. But that was the first film I went to see like with my friend. Me and my mate Gemma went to see it. Like my mum dropped me off at the cinema and waited for us to come out. But it was the first film I saw in a cinema on my own. So I've got warm feelings towards that one. Did you have my... warm feelings during as well? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Nothing like that. Um, my second category, it's ones where I would get shit if I tried to squeeze them in. Like you wouldn't allow it. Mm-hmm. Westworld. Like, I don't quite know if it is actually a sequel or not. And obviously, it's a TV show as well. Um, but I think the, the TV series, if it is actually a sequel, there are hints towards it. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. I think it's just an incredible piece of work. Evil Dead 2, I mean, that is a remake, ultimately. Annoyingly, because that would probably be in my number one place, because I think that is such a good movie. And Kill Bill Volume 2. Because it's not really a sequel, it's just the end of the film, pretty much. Because you know the, the two together is just one movie. Uh, and my third category is the biggest jump in the quality, which was going to be Ten Cloverfield Lane, which we spoke about. So they're my honorable mentions. Matt, what have you got? So one um, that again, it's not quality, but it's just what it meant to me. Really, would have been um, the Crow City of Angels. Now, I picked this because um, when I was kind of growing up, the Crow obviously was was just the in thing amongst my my circle of friends, and we all wanted to be the Crow, basically. <laughs> but I took it one step further in my douchebagness by really getting into City of Angels because it was kind of like that hipster thing of, oh, you like the Crow? Yeah, I like the Crow. But listen, I've got all four of them on DVD. So we like that. <laughs> and, 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 I, and, you know, it's got Iggy Pop in it and it's actually okay. It's actually pretty good. Um, so for that reason, I, I've put it in there. It's not better, but it, I, I feel an affinity towards it. Um, I was going to, but then I thought, mm, it's too tenuous, really. Um, put in um, Silence of the Lambs. Because Manhunter. <laughs> yeah, I've got um, that as well. 
which you know it's not a sequel of sorts but it's you know it's the same university heavily influenced the spiritual successor kind of thing um and in the same vein as um i can't have but would like to have had scarface as well Mm. obviously scarface is a completely different the scarface that we love is a completely different scarface to the original scarface but you know it's not a sequel however it's an incredible incredible movie yeah absolutely you know i haven't seen all four of the crow movies are the third and fourth one actually worth watching no is there anything Um, in them um the guy that plays angel from buffy is in number four i think um i yeah he is the crow the guy that plays angel i'm sure he is um let's do it let's let's have a marathon why not well we will pencil that in for early next year then and we'll, we'll do it on the pod one to four of the crow movies i don't know what i can't remember what the plot of the third one is as in like the f- i remember the th- i remember the fourth one quite vividly because of how bad it is like it's really like it's so bad the dvd is an ntsc dvd like you can play it on anything it's region zero <laughs> like they just want any old fucker to buy it yeah, exactly. Um, but I can't really remember anything about the third one. I'm going to have to Google it. Mm. No. And as someone who never watched Buffy, like, that doesn't really mean much to me that Angel's <laughs> in it. Never been my bag. Stu, what's your honourable mentions, please? I mean, David Boreanaz did, like, nine years in Bones. So you could have just talked about that rather than Angel. Never Bones seen is that great. Um, Silence of the Lambs was on mine as well, for that reason. Is that it? Dean had... Um, Man on certain uh, on video for whatever reason, as kids. Um, Dark Knight was on there. Talk about that. Oh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation <laughs> is better than Vacation. It's not not just for. Oh, that's that, not that's just a for tough call. Not just for the Christmas stuff. I think it just it's just funnier. It is very good. I don't know if it's better. But I think my whole list has been what I enjoy more. Mm, not yeah, not that fair. it's necessarily better, other than Godfather Part Two. Um, I prefer Christmas Vacation to just Vacation, and like I prefer Spider Man Two to Spider Man, which has aged terribly. The Raimi Spider Mans. You know, I um, haven't seen them for fifteen years at least. Yeah, you know, again, watching them in prep for uh, the new one, I was shocked at how shit it is. It's it it could be like offcuts from um, Lois and Clark. Some of the, some of the, some of the camera work and how it's so unbelievably nineties, even though it was eighty thousand. It just it's so it's so dated now. It just doesn't work at all. And that was that never used to be the case. I mean, I, I like the second one anyway with Doc Hock and everything, but mm. the second one's just way more enjoyable now than it maybe it was at the time. But like I said earlier on, I'm basing it on 20, 2021 feelings and not from the past. So Spider Man 2 would have been in here if we were allowed comics and we didn't cheat. <laughs> Obviously, with the new Spider Man No Way Home. The trailer seems to be centred around a battle with Doc Ock. Is he the right villain to have brought back? 
from the original series of movies? I mean, I think he probably is. I think he's the most interesting, but I don't know. What, what do you pair think? Um, I think so, especially if they're going down this, as we'll discuss at a later date, I'm sure, timeline route with it. He's got to be, hasn't he, really? I mean, I think that's when you think of the older Spider-Man movies, I think you think of Doc Ock. So, yeah, I think it's the right the right one to go with. You in agreement, Stu? Mm. I mean, you never actually... Not a spoiler alert. You never actually saw him die. He just went into the water. Mm-hmm. Whereas, obviously, Norman died <laughs> with his own blade. Um, Sandman. Poor bastard, um, but so, but from from them three films, probably yeah, Doc Ock was the best, and good old Molina, he seems like a good guy. So yeah, he work. just seemed like a good dude. I quite like Alfred Molina. In like in interviews and stuff, he comes across as quite a humble person. What did we think of the Amazing Spider-Man films? Because they seem to have had something of a revaluation in light of Andrew Garfield being in the new film. I remember hating them, but I haven't watched them for a few years, so I don't know. I watched the first one again, Amazing Spider-Man last night, Mm. or Emo Spider-Man as it was uh, known at the time. It was very good, actually. It It was a lot better than I remember thinking it was. And I've never seen the second one. I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I've got okay. it. It's sitting, it's sitting over there. I've never watched it. Probably for that reason that I was part of the, uh, oh, this is too dark. Why has he got a skateboard? Why is he such an arsehole? <laughs> was it, was it <laughs> part of the, the MCU by this point? No. No, it wasn't, was it? No. Because no. it was, what, was it owned by Sony? Is that was the whole reason yeah, why it was? It, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was started, it started off as the fourth film of the Raimi run and then it spoiled out of control and then they just rebooted it all. So and Reese fans is very good and all. It's not. It, it's it was just. I think what I mean. It was twenty twelve. So mm. again, it, it's some of it has aged as you'd expect, like all these things do. But it was a lot better watching it now than it was at the time. And I'm actually kind of weirdly looking forward to watching the second one. It's like a new Spider Man film I get, get to watch. <laughs> all I can remember about the second one is that it. I remember it feeling very long. It gets to like three quarters of the way through and you think, oh, this should be the end now. And then there's another half an hour. A bit like the last Lord of the Rings movie where there's just natural end points that they just keep passing. That's all I can remember about the second Amazing Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield's very good, but to be honest, since Spider, he hasn't really done a fat loss, has he? I can't remember him popping up in much else. You probably don't need to work um... again. Just to uh, take us back to a previous conversation, you know why um, the fourth Crow film is dreadful? Um, because Tara Reed's in it. Oh, Tara Reed. <laughs> the Fallen Angel. <laughs> Christ. We, we, we should hey, um, do Sharknado as well at some point, the whole Sharknado series, just for Tara in Reed's what, performances. In what state of Tara Reed is she at this point? 2005, so we're talking We're talking three years post-Van Wilder. Oh, so she still looks relatively normal then at that point. She's just about to fall off the wagon though, isn't she? It, it was like about 2006 or seven where it went all a bit, bit peak tongue. 
Yeah. After Nick Cage, we could just do a Tara Reid marathon, to be fair. <laughs> I think she'd be quite an interesting character to, uh, to delve into. Call, what should we call it? Something, obviously, just to play on words of the Reid, R-E-A-D. We'll have to ask the fans for our name change because I, yeah, I. You are right. It does need to be a pun, but I can't quite figure out what it should be. Excellent. Read it, uh, reading yeah. out loud. Read it and weep. <laughs> that's what it should be. Yeah, that's it. Cage fighting. Read it and weep. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. So number one choices then, gents. My number one choice is Paddington Two. Like, the first is fine. It's not a bad film at all. I'm not going to disparage it. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy, and it does give you the good stuff. I really like it. But the second one, I think, is arguably one of the few perfect films. I think there's only a handful of them where everything they do is right, and it's accessible to absolutely everybody on planet Earth. And I think Paddington 2 is one of those films. I think it is just a, a monumental cornerstone of family movies there aren't many of it which translate as well as Paddington 2 does I think it's absolutely brilliant the fact that they had uh, Colin Firth in to do the voice of Paddington originally I know this is going back to the first one a bit um, but yeah Colin Firth everyone loves Colin Firth he's that genial bloke that genial British bloke he's not like Hugh Grant who's got that little bit of a, a wild side away from the camera Colin Firth's everyone's nice guy mate. And he wasn't nice enough to be Paddington, so they had to get Ben Whishaw in to do it. And it was the right move. And ever since that moment, like everything they've done has just got better and better. And the third film's going to start filming in the second quarter of next year, apparently. Ooh. Cannot wait to see what's going to come next. Like It's just such a wonderful, heartwarming... And, like... Without going into spoilers, there's one part of it that just absolutely fucking devastates you at one point. It's so well done. And the pullback and reveal is perfect. Lovely film. So Paddington 2 is my favourite. It's my favourite and I think it's it's got quite a big jump from like a 7 to an 11 out of 10. Mm. Like it's a, yeah. So yeah, Paddington 2. Matt, what's your numero uno? Numero uno is uh, Rocky Doos. Uh, Rocky 2 for me. Um, Rocky is a great film. The first one is a great, great, great film. But it, it, again, in my opinion, suffers from the same thing as A New Hope, really. It's an introduction piece to that world, whereas Rocky 2, it gives you more from a character point of view. You get, you get, firstly, you get Rocky experiencing celebrity status and not knowing what to do with it, but then being completely out of his depth financially, emotionally and everything. You get everything that goes on with Adrian and the coma and him having a son and the strained relationship with uh, with Paulie. But then what I think is the best part of it is you get the, um, you really get our soul Apollo Creed as well. You know, he's he's really suffering from, an, from his ego in this and he, he obviously starts his smear campaign against Rocky and it's just, he becomes actually the villain as opposed to in Rocky he's just the one giving him the opportunity he's almost he's not a hero but he's you know he's just he's just he's a plot device almost Apollo mm. Creed but in this he's the villain um and just the way it's done it's it's just so 
it's more than an underdog story because we know that he can hang with Apollo Creed by this point. He's, he lasts 12 rounds and he goes the distance in the first one. But it just means so much more when he wins the big the big one. Um, and of course, it spawned Yo Adrian, I did it, um, which people probably think is the first one, which it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's a, I think it, it, it obviously it doesn't, it doesn't exist, obviously, without the first one. But again, it's another extended piece of character development that um, you really care at this point about the character. By the time you get to Rocky Three, you know, we've got Hulk Hogan in there, we've got Mr. T. It starts to lose its quality, but, but, but Rocky II, when he wins it, is the absolute peak of that series for me. And that's why Rocky II is my favourite of the whole series, much less better than the better than the first one. Excellent choice. I, I didn't know how you were going to argue that case because I, I mean, Rocky, the first one, is an Oscar-winning film. Mm. It's a really, really good movie, but you do make some really good points on that. Is it is it the best film or is it your favourite film? I think it's both. I mean, there can be both. I think it's, I think it's both. Um, you know, a lot of people's favourite is Rocky Four with Ivan Drago, mm. and it's it's the it's it's probably the most entertaining because it's it's camp and it's and everything else, but it's not the best in terms of quality by a long shot. Whereas I think Rocky Two has everything. It has an engaging plot. It has a great fight. It has heart, warmth, but it also has a proper villain before it becomes this. Before it becomes WWE, basically, <laughs> as Rocky Three is, because even Clubber Lang, he's just uh, he's just a wrestler with boxing gloves on, essentially in terms of cutting promos the way he does. Whereas obviously Apollo Creed is is Muhammad Ali, and it's more of a boxing movie. And I just think it's wonderful. By far, my favourite. Yeah, I think you've made a very good point, and that is why three is my favourite. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm obviously a wrestling fan, and it is a wrestling movie, to be perfectly honest. Oh, yeah, 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 it is. So you are yeah, right. Yeah. And I think you can tell the difference between one and two, and then three and four, in that one and two are very 70s movies, mm-hmm. whereas two and three are very 80s movies. Yeah. yeah and I think agreed. 80s... 80s movies don't generally stand the test of time and quality. They can be fun and enjoyable, but they don't tend to be, they don't tend to have the depth that you associate with the gritty realism of the 70s, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that probably plays, plays a part in the whole series of Rocky movies. But yeah, excellent choice. I even, I even think, like, going way further on in the timeline, I think Rocky Balboa and the Creed movies have, have, have really done a good job of not tainting that world. I think they've tapped into the nostalgia just the right amount. But the Creed franchise, it, especially Creed 2, you could get away with Rocky Balboa not being in that movie altogether. He plays this quite silly, not silly, trivial thing where he's just his biggest fight in creed 2 is he's trying to get a light fixed by the council that's literally it like that's literally it um like it it isn't his story anymore and it's a really good succession so creed i was going to have creed creed as a sequel Mm -hmm. but i thought oh we're playing too we we, 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 we're playing hard and fast with the rules here but um but yeah the creed the creed movies are great as well if you like rocky four You'll love Creed 2. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. I haven't seen the second one yet. Okay. 
Stu, you've got to have opinions on Rocky series, surely. Three. Three all day long. Yeah, I'm glad. Oh, that's what I was that. that's what I kind of raised eyebrow with when he said two, because no one says two ever. Three's three's just more nonsense. Eh? Three's more my kind of film. Like <laughs> if you say it's a wrestling film, yeah, it's just silly. Um but yeah, you the argument stands that two is better than one in this case. What am I going to watch when I'm having a beer and I'm hungover or I've got mates around? I'm watching three or four. So it's not bad. It's just a different, it's just a different, it's a different target audience, a different feel. So there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not my personal favourite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you've argued your case perfectly. Add Stuart, round us off with yours, please. I just got, I just remembered an honourable mention that I forgot about that I hadn't wrote down, and I had to mention it for Dave Mighty Ducks Part Two because you'll he, say it anyway. Um, yeah, but it was Short Circuit Two. Is a better film than the first one. Mm. It is the, like the first one's fine, but if the, if there was no sequel, you wouldn't be bothered. But yeah, yeah. two's excellent. I'm guessing that it, it, Matt's too young again for this and it doesn't oh, resonate yeah. with him at all. Speaking double Dutch to me, I have seen Short Circuit, but I've not seen the second one. Oh, Do I need is, to? Yes. Yes. Immediately. The one. It, there is a bit of blackface in there, which is the only question, but questionable thing from what I can recall. Well, it's a bit of blackface. He's playing an Indian man from the, for the whole film. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot of blackface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. <laughs> Very much like um, Ian McCall. Is it Ian McCall? In uh, Ghostbusters 2, playing the guy from wherever he's supposed to be, some Romanian guy with a that silly Romanian accent. He's not blacked up, obviously. Oh, shit, yeah. It's, <laughs> just rid- it's just ridiculous. But yeah, my a- actual number one is very similar to Aliens to Alien, really. You're going from a sci-fi horror to sci-fi action. And it is, of course, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, one of the greatest films ever made, again. And I've I've owned it in every possible way so far, (laughs) on video, then DVD, then Canadian DVD with the extra extras um, put in to make it even longer, then on Blu-ray, then 3D Blu-ray. And it doesn't matter whatever cut of the film that you watch anymore, really, um, every single one of them is perfect. It's a better film than the first one. It's more entertaining than the first one. It's funnier than the first one, obviously, because it's slightly different. But it's it's almost like a cliche that yeah, you have to mention T two in everything possible, but you do because it's class. Can't really you, you can't any no no one can argue against Terminator two being in any sequel list ever. It's just better than the first one. It is, like the first one's fine. Like don't get me wrong, I'm not going to bad mate. It's a good movie, but again, if if they did nothing after on the back of Terminator One, you wouldn't have been massively surprised. It wasn't it wasn't anything that people were clamouring for to be continued. But you see Terminator Two, and it is such a departure from the first film, and it is infinitely better than the first one. And, and granted, I've only seen the three films. But of the first three films, it is head and shoulders above the rest. 
It's also got the uh, third best Guns N' Roses song uh, featured in it as well, You Could Be Mine. There we go. I'd say it's got probably the best on-screen explosion of anything. That's always the first film I come to when I think of on-screen explosions when they blow up um, that building. Like, it just looks visually stunning. It's incredible. Especially for a film that was early 90s, I believe. 91? 92, I think. 92. Yeah, and it was a miniature as well. <laughs> was it really? I did not know that. Yeah, it was, well, bigature in the uh, Lord of the Rings parlance. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was a model. Shit, I did not know that. He's like, I genuinely could not tell. Like, he looks exceptional. So well done. Brilliant, uh, brilliant direction in that movie, I think. So, obviously, that is our top fives for the best sequels done. But please let us know what your favourite sequels are. Send us your lists to cagefightingpod at gmail.com or on the Twitter at cagefightingpod. Uh, please make sure that you're subscribed and that you're following us on whatever podcast that you're using. And please make sure that you leave us a review. Next up, we have got a picture pod episode where we are delving into the world of Pig. Obviously, it's a film that you've heard us mention several times before. Um, but yeah, I, I, full, I fully recommend that you give that movie a watch. It is available on DVD, but also check justwatch.com because it may be streaming in your area as well. Uh, so for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? See you later, everybody. Tell a friend, sell them uh, to get in touch with us and that you sent them and we'll give you a shiny penny. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? I'll be back. (laughs) It's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other. (laughs) 